This is a conspiracy. That's what this is. One big damn conspiracy! And everyone's in on it! I know what's going on. Did IQs just drop sharply while I was away? person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. Did you see the memo about this? Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. Don't you see what this means? Welcome to episode 21 of Your Missing the Point podcast, where we discuss the weird, the wonderful, and the damn right bizarre aspects of life as we have conversations with people from all over the world. Today, I'm joined by a man who is exposing the monopolistic control systems in our world, the shady figures, banksters and corporations behind them, and much, much more. He's a volunteerist, an educator, and author of the groundbreaking book, Government, the Biggest Scam in History. Let us welcome Etienne de la Boetti. Welcome, Etienne. It is good to be with you and your audience. Thank you. Um, awesome that we could make this work. So I first heard you on Scott Armstrong's uh, show, Rebunks. Fantastic episodes that you've done there. Absolutely awesome. That's how I came across your book. And you came highly recommended by a friend of mine, Nate, from over at Reality Zars, and he was really happy enough to connect us. So it's fantastic we can make this work today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh those are those have been some of the some of my favorite podcasts. So it's uh it's good that, that we're able to connect us. Yeah, absolutely. So let's how did this all start? So you would have been like everyone else who grew up in the system that is the world. You went through the indoctrination systems that are probably most likely public mm-hmm. or private schools, which are technically all the same. You grew up in society where you have nationalism and patriotism, everything that's builds us into thinking government's the only way. So how did you come to the realization that government is the biggest scam in history? So, I mean, I guess, and it sounds so cliche, but it started with Ron Paul, who's an American politician. I know you've got an international audience, uh, but was really uh, one of the first major libertarian figures. The idea that government should be small, it should be constrained, it shouldn't be doing all the things that it does. And, uh, and that kind of, uh, got me into, Hey, yeah, that's the way the world ought to be. And, uh, and so I wanted to, uh, you know, help the world. And so I, I ran a major, you know, one of the libertarian parties, vice presidential campaigns in my youth. And I worked at one of the big four think tanks, the libertarian think tank here in DC. And when I was working at the think tank, I had access to a $3,000 a month LexisNexis terminal, which was kind of the internet before it was the internet. It had every magazine, every newspaper, every transcript from every political talk show, you know, at your fingertips. And I realized in, I want to say about 1996, that the story that the government and the mainstream media had told about an event here in the United States called the Oklahoma City bombing uh, was very different. The local news and the alternative media were reporting a very, very different story than what was coming out of Oklahoma that the mainstream media was reporting. And the mainstream media was saying that, you know, right-wing extremist militias had bombed, you know, had, you know, a single guy had bombed this daycare center in a federal building with a, you know, rider truck bomb. And the facts of the story that were coming out of the local media and the alternative media really didn't support the narrative of the official story at all. And so I'm working at this think tank. I've got all of the resource, you know, uh, resources available and, you know, having that, you know, in, in front of me. And so I began doing my own investigation and I came to the conclusion and many, many others came to the conclusion that the real number one suspects were the U S government, uh, the FBI and the ATF and, uh, and to, you know, take everybody back in time, uh, back in 1996, the country was kind of, uh, recovering from 
an event uh, in Waco, Texas, where the FBI and the ATF had burned down a church in Waco, Texas, killing 80 men, women, and children. And so what was going on at the time is people were saying, oh, my God. And then the media covered it up and, you know, spun a, you know, a fantastic fable. And so people began forming militias in the, in the United States and they began arming themselves. And they're like, hey, the federal government's off the reservation. They've, they just murdered 80 men, women and children. The media is in on it. They covered it up. But like, you know, we got a government that's out of control. And so, you know, what it looked like happened is that in an effort to tar the militia movement as white supremacists and baby killers, the FBI and ATF bombed a federal building and, you know, using a sheep dipped special ex reportedly ex special forces guy named Timothy McVeigh. And all of the all of the evidence that I developed essentially got 100 percent mirrored by uh, an independent investigation committee in Oklahoma city led by a state rep named Charles key. It was a state, you know, uh, in, in the state legislature of Oklahoma. And then that became a uh, award-winning documentary called a noble lie. And so if you have got any interest, you know, the documentary noble lie breaks down exactly, you know, you know, what happened and, and why people question the official story and why the, the FBI and the ATF are the number one suspects in, 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 you know, bombing this building. But I quickly realized, that, oh, my gosh, the government and the media are lying on a on an enormous scale. Like they're mur- they're murdering children. They're they're you know, they're uh, uh, blowing up buildings. They're you know, they're they're waging a kind of perception war where they're controlling the information in these events to spin one narrative away from what's really, really going on. And so I began really paying, you know, really, really paying attention. And then at the same time, you know, I'm working at this think tank and I'm learning all about the ideas of liberty and the economics of why you don't really need government of like the government, you know, is everything that the government does would be done better, faster, cheaper by the free market, by real charity, by nonprofits, co-ops, things like that. And so I, you know, eventually came to the scan, you know, the, the, the understanding that government has really been the biggest scam in history. And my book is government, the biggest scam in history. The subtitle is how intergenerational organized crime runs the government, the media and academia. And so what all came out of that was, was, oh my God, it's been the biggest scam in history. And it's, you know, I use the term organ, you know, intergenerational organized crime, but I take that back to the first intergenerational organized crime monarchy. And so monarchy was the first government. And so government is a, is a technique a way of fleecing the population, a way of tax farming the population to where they, uh, you know, get tricked into going along with something that is not in their interest. And the way that they do it is they've been controlling the information that the population receives uh, through the mandatory government school that teaches them that government is legitimate, desirable, and necessary before they're old enough to really evaluate the, you know, the, the logic and the morality of that claim. And then that's reinforced with the media. And so the subtitle of the book is how intergenerational organized crime calls, controls the government, the media, and academia. And it's been the government and the media working together since time immemorial really, you know, controlling all of the information that the population receives in a way of kind of like programming them to accept something that is not in their interest so that they can be tax farmed. And so like, that's kind of the general thesis of my work. That's how I got started and and what, you know, got me along the, you know, the path. But more and more people are waking up to the fact that you can never have a legitimate government. There's no way to have that's the you know the main thing that I want to communicate is it's impossible to have a legitimate government if there's you know you and 10 friends are on an island there's no way for six people to get the right 
to rule the other, you know, four people and to use violence or extortion on them and to, you know, make them pick the coconuts while everybody else lays back and, you know, uh, sunbathes on the beach, you know, that would be illegitimate. That would be um, uh, immoral. And so it doesn't matter if there's 10 people or 10,000 people or, you know, 200, you know, 330 million people, there's no way of making something that's, you know, immoral, moral, just because the mob wants to go along with it. And so it's been the biggest scam in history. That must have been a very sombering and sobering moment, because it's quite easy to become a person who wants decentralized government, smaller government, because we know when government takes control of things, things don't get any better, they become worse. So that's a natural progression. But when you found out that the government had actually manipulated events around the media and orchestrated an attack on its own people, that must have been a horrifying notion for you to, to come across. Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, it really destroys your worldview and then you have to kind of rebuild it and go, okay, what's really going on here? And so what I try and do is I try and you know provide people that framework of, okay, here's what's really going on, okay? Uh, the world is a self-organizing system. It produces spontaneous order. We don't really need government. Government has been this tool and this technique of what I call intergenerational organized crime, people that are willing to use violence, extortion, lies, media manipulation, et cetera. It's the banks at the top. The banks are able to create money out of, you know, thin air using fractional reserve banking that gives that gave them the unlimited capital to buy up and consolidate the media. That monopolized media allows them to control all the information that the population receives so that every single channel is telling them government is legitimate. Everybody goes along with it. The elections aren't rigged. Uh, government's there to, you know, benefit you. It's protecting you. And so, you know, that, uh, but, but, but the, you know, the kind of the three pillars that people really need to understand are number one, that you can never, ever have a legitimate government. I mean, there's no way of doing it morally and rationally. And, you know, all the years I've been doing this, nobody's ever, you know, in all the podcasts and all the speaking events around the world that I do and everything, Nobody's ever gone, no, you're wrong. This is how you have a moral government or a legitimate government. Like not one single time, because when people really step back and they say, okay, all right, I learned that in my youth from the government out of a, you know, taught by a government teacher using a government textbook, you know, when they step back as an adult and they go, all right, I've never, ever thought about it. Is there any real way to have a legitimate government? I've never had anybody that's been able to say it. So so for, for your audience that has never encountered this idea for a reason, because they've been hiding it from you, uh, I encourage them to step back as an adult and really think about it. And then I think, you know, once they they really think about it, they're like, oh, Son of a bitch. They got me when I was young and I never, ever thought about it again. The second thing that you got to understand is that it's the government and the media working together and that, you know, that um, uh, that everything that they've seen. And I, I, I can only speak for the United States. I don't know what the level of propaganda is in Australia, uh, but here in the United States, you know, 95% of the screens are controlled by a very small handful of companies. There's on the old media side, and some of this is international, like I'm sure you guys have Netflix and Disney mm -hmm. and Google and everything like that. So, so you're, you're feeling what I'm talking about, but like uh, on the old media side there, you got about, you got six companies running hundreds and hundreds of subsidiaries. We just did a story about this on our Substack at artofliberty.substack.com where we actually have media ownership charts and we've got organizational charts that kind of spell this out where you can see it with your own eyes. Like don't, you know, take my word for it. Go and take a look at these visualizations because visualization makes something that was invisible to you now visible through visualization. 
But, you know, most people don't realize, you know, they see all these different magazines, they see all these different television channels, they see all these different radio stations and television stations and satellite networks. And and they're like, well, there's all these different information sources in society. Surely if this was going on, then we would have heard about it. And then you realize that they all roll up to these six companies operating as a cartel. And then you're like, oh, that's okay. I didn't understand that. I didn't know that was going on. And then once you kind of see the way the magician does the trick, you can't get fooled by the trick. And so the, so the, so it's been what I call the propaganda matrix. And that's the article, the, the name of the article, the propaganda matrix, and it breaks down how that works. And then on the new media side, you've got about four dozen, five dozen companies that have been overfunded with unlimited fractional bank capital. So they're creating money out of thin air. So if you're stealing trillions of dollars, it's very cost effective to spend a couple hundred billion a year to control all of the information that people believe so that they don't understand what's really going on. I used to work on Wall Street. We used to call it mice nuts. I mean, you know, it sounds like a lot to the average person. Like you're saying that they could fund all these media companies. It's it's not like if you're stealing trillions of dollars and, and here in the United States, we're missing trillions of dollars. The Pentagon can't account for 21 trillion. We regularly hand out trillions of dollars in bailouts to Wall Street uh, we just handed, you know, Pfizer and a bunch of companies hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars for vaccines that we didn't need that are really bioweapons. I could go on and on, but if you're stealing trillions of dollars, then the then the couple hundred billion a year that it costs you to, you know, make sure that nobody understands what's really going on, that's mice nuts. It does. It might as well be free. And so it's like hard for some people that, you know, that, that don't, you know, regularly deal in these sums to understand, you know, like, like how inconsequential amount it is if you're stealing trillions of dollars, but like it might as well be free. It's a cost of doing business. It's the marketing budget. And then the third thing that you've really got to understand is that we really don't need government. Like everything that the government does, most, you know, most of what the government does is a provider of goods and services, like of services, really. Like here in the United States, you know, they deliver the mail. They, uh, they provide armed protective services that they call the police. They provide dispute resolution that they call the courts. They run the worst passenger train system in the world. They do air traffic control. All of those things could be done better, faster, cheaper by the free market, by nonprofits, by co-ops, by mutual aid societies, by genuine charity. And so um, we just don't need government. And if we weren't being fleeced for 50% of our income and overt taxes, covert taxes and inflation, then we'd have more than enough you know, resources to take care of the poor, the needy, and the disadvantaged. And and that's moral. That system is moral versus the system of government is immoral. So if you're voting for a politician, you're essentially, you know, uh, advocating that your neighbor be robbed to have the political, pro, you know, promises of this politician put into effect. And so if you're advocating that your neighbor get robbed, you're going to get robbed because that's the law of karma. And so, uh, so it's more moral. It produces the goods. Freedom works. Liberty works. And so I'm an advocate of nonviolence. I'm called a voluntarist. Voluntarism means that all relationships between people should be voluntary. Nobody gets the uh, 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 ring of power because there isn't a ring of power. Nobody gets to use violence or extortion on anybody else, not even the government. The government doesn't get an exemption of morality. Okay, that makes sense. That's logical. That's moral. And the beautiful piece of that is, is that it delivers the goods. And so, you know, uh, there's you know numerous think tanks that evaluate the amount of economic and political freedom that each country has. And it's a fact you can take a look and the countries that have the most economic and personal freedom produce 
the most wealth, have the least amount of people living in poverty, have the greatest, you know, the best standards of living. So the more economic freedom and the more personal freedom that you have, the richer, the healthier, the better society is as a whole. Now, a lot of people, especially on the left, you know, they're scared of, well, the government is controlling, you know, keeping these these corporations at bay. And if it wasn't for the government, then the corporations would take over and there'd be warlords and everything like that. And like, no, 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 no. Poor left. The government metastasizes everything that you are afraid of and makes it law and makes it, you know, impossible for you to get away with. Everything, you know, would be provided if you just quit trying to force your friends, relatives, neighbors into socialism and communism and things that we know don't work. And so that's really the the basic message of what I do. Fantastic. Let's circle back a little bit to the monopolization of choice. Like you said, you've got media corporations, you've got food producers. On the surface, it looks like you have this abundance of choice of different uh, corporations Mm -hmm. and different products. But when it really boils down to it, it's really it's centralized to a few main big players. And as we know through the events of COVID, consensus doesn't always mean the truth. Just because five out of six doctors say that something is the fact doesn't mean that it's true. So when we take into consideration consensus isn't fact or reality, we have to dig, dig, uh, dig a little bit deeper into these corporations. There might be 12 different companies that produce, I don't know, car tires, for example. But if they have a sitting board member that's from BlackRock or Vanguard, who's really in control of these corporations? So, uh, you know, eight out of 10 doctors smoke camels. And so you're (laughs) absolutely right. Consensus, you know, doesn't equal fact. And so, you know, what we've got going on is that we've got an organized crime system with the banks as kind of, you know, one of the folks that have a chair at the table. The banks create money out of thin air using a technique called fractional reserve banking. And they've been cheating and, 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 and the basics of fractional reserve banking are when you go to a bank to get a, a mortgage or a car loan, they're not loaning you depositor money. They just, you know, uh, credit your account with digital dollars that they create out of thin air. And then you spend the rest of your life paying back a mortgage that somebody just created out of thin air. Now that's extremely, extremely profitable, which is why the bank has got the biggest building in almost every city on the planet, okay? And it steals the value out of everybody else's dollars. And so, you know, if I have a dollar and you have a dollar and we've got the only two dollars in the world, I own 50% of the world's wealth. You, dear listener, dear viewer, have 50% of the world's wealth. If a bank comes along and creates two more dollars out of, you know, using fractional reserve banking or a government comes along and creates two more dollars out of quantitative easing or for bailouts or stimulus or because it's out of money or whatever. Uh, now we've been reduced to 25% of the world's value of, of, of value and the bank has stolen 50% of the world's value. And that's really what's been going on. The banks have been providing uh, unlimited capital to, you know, a certain, you know, number of corporations that are operating as a cartel. They started with the media and they bought up the media in the United States, you know, going back to 19, you know, 13 to make sure that the media, you know, wouldn't, isn't going to tell you what's really going on. Okay. And so that control of the media goes back further than that, but the main consolidation, uh, you know, according to the congressional record, uh, when they bought up the top 25 newspapers, you know, started in around 1913, like when they began it as a, you know, like, oh, we're going to do it in mass. We're going to buy all the newspapers. We're going to buy, you know, everything. Uh, uh, but it goes back further than that. I break it down in the, in the book. And one of the other things in, in government, the biggest scam in history is, you know, we've got some visualizations showing, showing how they've monopolized, uh, you know, all of the, you know, the products, uh, you know, consumer product companies and the food companies and the, and, you know, from Procter and Gamble to, uh, you know, uh, Coca-Cola, PepsiCo, all of those and all of the brands that they own. 
And so, you know, a lot of people don't understand that there's, you know, a small handful of companies, you know, I think in the visualization we've got, it's like nine or maybe even 10 that are controlling a hundred plus subsidiaries, the best known brands in the world, all roll up to this tiny handful of companies that have been financed with unlimited fractional reserve banking to, you know, buy up and monopolize in a predatory way their competition. And so that's not something that you would have seen in a true free market. That's something that only can happen through this system. And when the banks do that, they're stealing the value out of your money as well. And so every time they create more and more dollars, those dollars begin competing with the existing dollars that people have earned and saved and begin to uh, uh, bid up prices. And that's why you see prices going up. Now, the media pretends that prices go up because at night, fairies come and they sprinkle pixie dust over price tags and gas pumps. But, but no, it's a well-understood you know, economic you know, truism that the more money that, 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 you know, gets created that, you know, begins bidding up these prices and prices go up. And so, you know, what we've got is, you know, imagine you're playing Monopoly and uh, the banker is cheating and the banker is reaching under the table and grabbing $500 bills. And, and uh, at the end of the game of Monopoly, who owns every single thing on the board and who are renters and debtors? And so that is, you know, what, what's going on in a, you know, very, you know, uh, simplistic way. And the, you know, the other thing that they've been doing is they've been buying up all of these food companies and they've been using them to debilitate the public. So they can't really think straight. They're zoned out in front of the television. And so the, the monopoly companies that we outline in the book and we break it down, you know, those are the ones that are using fluoridated water and beverages. Those are the ones that are using BPA and BPS and can linings. Those are the ones that are, you know, maybe specifically buying, you know, gr uh, uh, grains sprayed with glyphosated wheat and, and, and vegetables sp sprayed with atrazine and, uh, uh, you know, dairy products with recombinant bovine growth hormone and genetically modified ingredients and, and aspartame as a sweetener and over, overall. And so they're poisoning the population so they can't really think straight. They don't really know what's going on at the same time as the, you know, kind of think of the television as a weapon, weaponized platform that's using everything from behavioral psychology to the flicker rate to the, you know, to put the population into this kind of, uh, you know, trance-like state where they're glued to their sets, where they're constantly being distracted and deceived, you know, uh, and, and propagandized constantly, constantly, constantly propagandized. They're, you know, weaving the American flag, you know, product placing it into, into, into movies and television shows at moments of high positive emotion. They're, you know, uh, they're making people, you know, they're, 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 you know, product placing alcohol and drugs into, in, into movies, caffeine, you know, oh man, I need a drink. Oh, you know, you just, you know, like, uh, uh, just catch your, you know, just watch, now that you understand how the games play, just watch yourself every time you're watching a movie or a TV show and the, and the and the and the uh, the person says, "Oh, you look like you could use a drink," or "Oh man, I need a drink," or "Oh, I need a cup of coffee," you know. And sorry, coffee is you know going to weaken you and and make you an addict. And so they're addicting and poisoning the population, uh, also with the vaccines, you know, to 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 make them so they can't really understand what's going on, and they really don't have you know any frame of reference. You know, even if you're you're hearing this, you know, a lot of people are just going to dis dismiss it because they don't know anything about fractional reserve banking. They don't know anything about the television flicker rate. They don't know, you know, they just don't like it. Just it's just, you know, they just don't get so many concepts that, you, you know, that you need because they've been under this chemical biological attack so that they can be tax farmed, robbed and controlled. It's um it's really interesting that when, when I went through high school in the early thousands, it was very much put in the scope of, like you said earlier, like a left wing idea that the corporations are all the big bad guys. In many ways, they they really are. But 
it was put in a lens of Americanization and the world was slowly becoming more American. That's why it was pitched to us when we went through high school. And now it's pivoted into this term of globalization, where the global markets are so intertwined because of technology and, and connectivity that we're seeing the same things happen in, in different countries where corporate interests are buying each other out and adapting and growing. But we know that these this control system, this cartel of criminals globally, it's not just American um, sourced or American led. Where do you see the likes of the World Economic Forum, um, the Davos Group, all of these types of world leading air quote interest having a say in this? So a couple of things to understand, you know, before we unpack the World Economic Forum, you know, don't think of the, you know, the different countries of the world as different countries. Think of them as different tax farms where, you know, different organized crime families, you know, bloodlines, whatever you want to call it in different countries are using the exact same techniques to tax farm their populations as we're using the United States and is being done in, in, in Australia and every other country. And so government is a technique for robbing and controlling populations on a large scale, going back to monarchy. And then when modern, when that fell out of favor and people weren't buying the divine right of Kings, they gave people democracy knowing that they're always going to be able to control the outcome of elections because they're organized crime, because they're cheating, because they have a disparity of campaign funds, because they control the media, because they're willing to use bribery, blackmail, assassination, you know, rigging the votes here in the United States. We now, you know, vote on touchscreen, unauditable black box voting machines, you know, where there's a central tabulator and we have these mail-in ballots where, you know, all of a sudden an election can be swayed because, oh, look, the Secretary of State's office found these ballots that came in late and, oh, no. <laughs> you know, and so, so, so they're cheating. So they're running game on you and you think that you have a say in the process and you don't really have any say. You know, they, you know, you're being run by warlords. They just pretend to let you elect them. I mean, that's really what it is. They're pretending to let, let you, oh, you elected us again. Oh, good. We're still in charge. And so they just own both sides. Of, you know, you can have in the United States, you know, we have blue government or we have red government, but that's your choices. You can vote for blue government or red government, but you're going to get government. <laughs> And so, 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 uh, so, you know, it's not the United States and Australia versus uh, Russia. It's not the, you know, the United States again, or Australia versus China. It's the government of the United States waging war on the people of Australia and the, and the people, uh, you know, it's the government of, of, you know, China waging war on the people of China and they're pretending to fight against each other and they're pretending to have animosity against each other so they can menace the population with the specter of war, which gets the population to cower to government. Oh, protect us from the evil Russians or the evil Chinese or the whatever. And then the Chinese people are, oh, protect us from the bad Americans or the bad you know, uh, other countries or whatever it is. While at the top, they're eating two steaks a day and, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just a trick. It's the biggest scam in all of history. It's been the biggest scam in all of history. And so, but you can only really do the scam as long as the people, you know, you don't understand how the, the magician does the trick. And so, you know, what I'm trying to do is expose how the magician does the trick. Now to answer your question about the world economic forum, and so if you want to rob the world, you have to have meetings. You've got to have large scale meetings coordinating the activities of all these cartel companies and all of these central banks and all of these, you know, media outlets and things like that. And so there's a number, you know, the, the, they've, they've created a number of different front groups in each country This started out you know, this goes back to the De Beers, uh, you know, um, uh, roundtable groups, uh, not De Beers, um, 
God, I'm having a brain lock. Uh, Cecil Rhodes, who, who was the founder of De Beers, you know, started the the, uh, the kind of Anglo-American establishment where they established these uh, roundtable groups in each country. In the United States, it's the Council on Foreign Relations. In the UK, it's the uh, it's, it's the um, uh, Royal Council for International Affairs. And uh, in Australia, it's the Australian was it the Australian Institute for International Affairs? Yes. yes. And, yeah, yeah, and 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 so there's all these different countries, and then that allows them to get together, media, business, et cetera, and secure facilities. You know, where they're able to sweep the facility for bugs and have secure meetings with their little organized crime cronies to, you know, to to you know widely sell you know a multi-trillion-dollar war to the population or the specter of terrorism or the COVID or whatever it is. And the biggest and the most powerful was the Council on Foreign Relations and the Council on Foreign Relations because people catch on and like everybody's like starting to notice, hey, wait a minute, the Council on Foreign Relations is, you know, got its tentacles and its membership into the presidency in the United States, the presidency, the vice presidency, the Congress, the Senate, the CIA directors, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the the uh, uh FBI director going, you know, the, the major, uh, you know, the, the central bank, the federal reserve system, the big money center banks, Citigroup and JP Morgan and, and Brown brothers, Harriman and bank of America and all the, you know, you know, all the others, and they've got them into the media and they've got it into the IMF and the world bank and the bank international settlements and, and everything like that. Hey, maybe they're running things. And so, the the uh, the World Economic Forum is a little secret spin out of the Council on Foreign Relations, where uh, Klaus Schwab attended a seminar series put on, sponsored by the CIA, run by uh, a former Secretary of State named Henry Kissinger at Harvard in the what was it the seventies? I forget the exact date that you know that he attended. Uh, and uh, he became a Kissinger protege and started up, uh, you know, the uh, the World Economic Forum, um, which essentially does the exact same thing that the Council on Foreign Relations does, but hasn't been as open until the COVID. And so they really, you know, they unmasked, you know, to use a Star Trek analogy, they uncloaked you know, like really, you know, during the COVID and they took the leadership role in, in coordinating the companies, the cartel companies that they've bought up through fractional reserve banking. So they now control, you know, thousand plus companies, all right, media companies. And so they need, they all need a place to go and have little organized crime meetings and so the the uh, the World Economic Forum is the the you know kind of excuse oh we're doing good things for humanity and you know it's business leaders whatever but that's where you know they're given their orders to go along with the COVID and have the airlines participate and have you know big companies like Walmart and and the chain stores and everything implement COVID regulations and and everything along those lines and so. So that's, you know, they're, they're essentially coordinating the C-level executives in the, in, the, in the cartel companies that have been bought up with fractional reserve banking so that they all operate as a cartel and then they can steer people towards the Great Reset, which I believe is to, to replace the dollar, which is dying. And I think they're trying to collapse it here in the United States because the United States is somewhat unique in that the United States is still armed. I know the Australian people have been disarmed through a, you know, a little tricky, you know, BS, uh, you know, false flag, you know, uh, shooting at the Broken Arrow Cafe. Uh, what was it called? The uh, Port Arthur Massacre. Port Arthur, yes. used, you know, staged so that they could disarm the Australian people. But, you know, the United States, number one, hasn't been disarmed and we're armed. We're all armed to the teeth. Not that number they are trying. <laughs> yeah, we have. They're trying using the same techniques that yes, they use. Again, again. So they're staging, 
They're staging uh, real shootings and fake shootings here in the United States in a coordinated attempt to try and bring in gun control and disarm the population. And, and you know, the alternative media is exposing these things, fighting, you know, sending our pirate signal out over the, you know, trying to get over the, you know, monopolization of the media and the algorithmic censorship of the Internet. And so uh, uh, um, we're unique in that we're still armed, and this is where the information revolution started. And so we're, you know, leading the world in podcasts and the alternative, the develop alternative media, and we're starting to kind of push out and, and get people to understand what's really, really going on. And so I think they're trying to take it down, but I think the the ultimate goal is to replace the dollar and the Australian currency and other currencies with a central bank digital currency that will give them the ability to have programmable money so they can shut down people from buying and selling. There is no black market. There is no gray market. There's no way to, you know, make money on the side. There's no way to, you know, that, you know, that they're able to tax and trace every single nickel that you make, no matter how you make it. And so, and then they would have a kind of, you know, literally, you know, a foot on the throat of humanity where they could turn off truth tellers like me, you know, by, you know, shutting down our ability to, uh, to make any money at all, starving us out. And, and, and so that's what the great reset is. That's what's going on. And so we're in a kind of information war right now. Can we, you know, reach enough, you know, people that have not been zombified in front of the television and, you know, turned into drug addicts or alcoholics or, you know, whatever to, you know, where they're just, you know, you can't, they're, not, they're no good to the tribe. They can't protect the tribe. And so, you know, I'm trying to reach the people that are clear headed, the intelligentsia, the, you know, the, the people that, that are like, oh my God, I didn't know that's going on. What do we need to do? Okay, first of all, understand the situation. You know, here's what's become an expert in what's going on. Number one, number two, wake up your friends and family and really, you know, trying to get people to take action because you're not going to like the future that they have planned for your children and your grandchildren. It's a high tech social Chinese social credit score slavery. Uh, you know, where, where they're going to, you know, bring everybody down to subsistence wages. You're going to own nothing and be happy. And you're going to be happy because you're going to be drugged up in, in the metaverse, you know, uh, you know, and so that, that's really their goal is, you know, how do we, you know, drug up and, and, you know, get people addicted to the screens and the thing where, where they're just, you know, looking at these cell phone scanner boxes, you know, and just endlessly staring and, and have no clue what's really going on because everything that they get is deception, distraction, and children's sports played by adults. Yeah, it's um, I like your analogy about being different crime families instead of nations. And you definitely see that in the way that different techniques and strategies are used around the world. Like Australia, for example, the psyops around um, firearm control and disarming the public work perfectly in Australia. And you can see they've tried to replicate that in the United States multiple times with a very little success. You look at China, the social credit score system, China's always been described as the model of what they want. And even though we have a air quotes capitalist society, which is really crony capitalism, we're seeing elements of that social credit system come into effect now. Like you said, the great reset is happening. It's happening as we speak. And if people like ourselves don't speak up and have these conversations, it's going to head to a very dark place where a lot of commentators would say it's going to be a techno-feudalism where we become the serfs of the past, but in a highly advanced technological world. Where do you see it going? Uh, that's exactly where I see it going. So I just kind of <laughs> like, you know, gave that. Yeah. What I wanted to talk, but I wanted, you know, you mentioned something, you know, that the government's running these, these, these psyops like, you know, the Sandy in the United States. It's the, you know, our Port Arthur was something called the Sandy Hook mm -hmm. Uh, you know, massacre and, you know, others um, uh, uh, they use. And one, one of the things that we do, and, you know, here's the book, Government, the Biggest Scam in History. And one of the things that we do that's unique is that we actually back up everything in the book and everything that I just said and all the claims that I just made about Sandy Hook and Oklahoma City bombing and everything else on a little credit card size flash drive 
that we call the liberator that you can put into your wallet and you can buy it. We cut you a deal if you buy them together, you know, on the website government-scam.com. But everything that I just said, no matter how far-fetched or fantastical, all of the evidence, the best documentaries, the best books and PDF, uh, the best you know monographs, research, etc., is all right here to where it can't be deleted off the internet. It can't be de-indexed. It can't be you can't be deplatformed. You can put it in your wallet once you own one of these. You can make unlimited and are allowed and encouraged to make unlimited copies for your friends, your family, and your colleagues. And we even have, there's a file on the Liberator that has little sticker templates that you can print off on sticker paper that you get at any office supply store. And you can actually wrap them up, like buy commodity 64 gig USB drives and like wrap them up so they look really cool. And then, you know, distribute them out to your friends and colleagues and go, hey, here's what they're deleting off of the Internet. And it is the best evidence of government criminality, whether it's 9-11, whether it's the Oklahoma City bombing, whether it's the Waco massacre, whatever it is. And then, you know, you're able to, you know, go, your friends and family, you know, when you say, hey, that what are you talking about? The government blew, you know, brought down the trade centers. Where's the evidence for that? Well, here's all the evidence and it's been curated. So all the BS is gone and all of the, you know, you know, it's, it's uh, the best of the best all in one place. You have it in your back pocket. And now everybody is part of the resistance because right now it's an information war before it turns in, you know, hopefully it doesn't, you know, but, but, you know, eventually we're on the way to a shooting war. And so what I'm trying to do is, you know, keep us from getting to the shooting war part by just making it a peaceful revolution of, Oh, people now understand how it is. Uh, and so, so I wanted to just, you know, wanted, you know, like, like that's what you've got to do. It's an edu- It's a war of education first. It's a, it's a really good book to have as a coffee table book. It raises a few eyebrows. People see it on the on your coffee table or in your lounge room, and it actually starts a conversation where we don't want to unload everything on people because it's quite overwhelming. But if you start drip feeding those little bits of ideas and you go, oh, take it home for the weekend, give it a bit of a read, have a flip through. Like three out of five people who have borrowed my book have great things to say about it and always come back asking me more questions. And I'm like, hey, you've read the book, keep go off by yourself now and, and go down those rabbit holes and find out the information yourself. You're on a good journey. So, you know, it's so funny that you say that. So, you know, one of the things that's really unique about the book is that it's become one of those rare, rare books that people are buying in bulk to give away to like friends and family. And over 20% of the books that we sell have been sold as what we call a friends bundle of, you know, five copies, 10 copies. We've, we've shipped a lot of friends bundles to Australia and we get like Australia is really we've been selling the book in 22 different countries, but Australia is one of the top three markets. I think it might be it's probably three or four. It's either uh, the UK, you and the UK, like we're we're like almost you and the UK are tied. Canada is our number two market, but like um, uh, 22 different countries. But we ship a lot to Australia. Um, we have people that are donating to libraries, but we have, we've got, uh, I don't know if you know, Grant Elman and Presence. They're one of the, uh, uh, like conscious reggae artists and, uh, the lead singer or actually the, the drummer, you know, who's also sings and everything like that, uh, as a side business manages Airbnbs and he puts our book out as a coffee table <laughs> book on his Airbnb. So we have people doing that kind of, you know, culture jamming, like all over the world, you know, people are doing that. There was a, I forget the cafe. There was a cafe. I, I started getting, you know, I got an order for 10 copies from somebody in Australia and in the notes section, they said, Hey, I found this book, you know, in this cafe, I forget the name of the cafe in Australia, but like, you know, the cafe owner had put it out, you know, was promoting it to the, to the customers and, and, you know, and, and so that's how we're doing it. It's this grassroots effort of people that discover it and, and resonate with it and get it. And they're like, Oh, okay. This answers so many questions. This, this filled in all of the pieces of the puzzle 
and then they begin, you know, then wash, rinse, and repeat. The cycle uh, begins again, and so that's how we've been growing as people are buying it. One of the things that we did, we just released the fifth edition of the book in January, and now we have a pop-up gorilla bookstore, and so we give people the ability, we, you know, for you get everything that you need to attractively merchandise the book and kind of like a small footprint. So if you have a retail store, you know, you can, you can attractively merchandise it and then you can share in the profits and you can actually make money by waking up your community and getting, you know, copies of the book and that pays for, you know, people's activism. And so, so we're, we're trying to figure out how do we, you know, culture jam and get through this monopolization of the media and chain bookstores and, and things like that. So, uh, so yeah, that's very, very popular. It's great stuff. I'm not at all surprised Australia is becoming such a big market for you because I think we all had a very rude wake-up call with the past couple of years during the whole air quotes pandemic. But thank you for today. This has been a fantastic conversation. Where can we find your fantastic work? Where can we get the book? All that wonderful stuff. So the, the top three links or the book is at government-scam.com. Uh, my organization is the Art of Liberty uh, Foundation, and we're a startup public policy organization that is trying to expose the illegitimacy and criminality of government from a vo- principled voluntarist perspective. And so uh, we're trying to get a think tank off the ground. And I think the world needs that. And we're at artofliberty.org. And then uh, the, you know, most of uh, our writings and our original research can be found at artofliberty.substack.com, including at the top of the, you know, the food chain right now are those visualizations exposing how the government is controlling the media, the monopolization of the media, the, the, the media ownership charts, the organizational charts showing how the, the Council on Foreign Relations, the Trilateral Commission, the Bilderberg Group, the World Economic Forum have maneuvered all of their members into dozens and dozens and dozens of ostensibly independent media companies. Okay, so it looks like they're all independent until you realize that all of the reporters, editors, and publishers all roll up to these you know, small handful of, of, uh, of, you know, front organizations. And that's at artofliberty.substack.com. And those are the, you know, really the best ways to find us. Fantastic. Etienne, thank you for coming on again. Ladies and gentlemen, please thank our wonderful guest and make sure you go out, read the book. It's fantastic. It will really open your eyes and change the way that you see the world. All right, everybody, catch you next time. Hey everybody, it's closing time. You don't gotta go home, but you can't stay here.